Um, if you pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for all that you're doing here at Elam, Lord, and all that you're doing in each and every individual life. And I just want to thank you for, for all the good stuff that you're doing, all the uh, things that you're doing in our life that is going to be eternal, all of the changes. And uh, we ask, I ask, Lord, this morning that you would not only uh, for your anointing to speak, but Lord, for your anointing to hear and uh, that we might hear from you, every single one of us. Uh, what you would have to say to us this morning. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, about 15 different things this morning. I'm telling you, it was so difficult because um, so many things came to my mind when Dr. A asked if I would share. But if you would, you want to turn to the book of Philippians. The letter to the Christians here at Philippi, the author, of course, of Philippians, we know is the Apostle Paul, and, uh, and who uh, his sidekick, of course, was Timothy. And uh, I always, I, I love that relationship because I think it's so um, important to see that relationship because it's basically the older apostle who is very closely related to and mentoring the younger man, Timothy, and, uh, and he does such a great job of it, but they're, uh, they wrote a letter, this is, uh, it's probably written, they say somewhere around A.D. 62, almost, certainly from Rome, the church in Philippi um, also are mostly Gentiles, and uh, Philippi, that church was, they say was founded somewhere around 48, 49 A.D., uh, was founded by Paul, Silas, and of course, Paul's sidekick, Timothy. Um, what happened here was Aphrodite uh, had brought some information about the church to Paul while he was in prison, and uh, they also delivered a gift to him, which was probably a, a considerable amount of uh, money in order uh, for him to take care of the business that he needed to take care of, and uh, Aphrodite was about uh, ready to return after visiting with Paul and Timothy uh, to Philippi, uh, but he uh, had a sickness, an illness that actually was almost fatal. And, uh, and so the story kind of goes on from there. But uh, I want to talk about Philippians, the first chapter. But uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture in Philippians is Philippians 1 in verse 6, because I think it's so encouraging for those of us that are believers. You, most of you, are in your 20s. You're either teen or you're in your 20s. And, uh, and so you may look at some of these scriptures um, in, in, one, in a certain vein, but when you're 70, you look at them a little bit differently than you would if you were a younger person. How many of you that are over 50 understand what I'm talking about? How many of you over 60 understand what I'm talking about? Okay, I'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> but uh, in, in Philippians 1.6, uh, <laughs> it says, 
and so I am sure that God who began this good work in you will carry it on until it is finished on the day of Christ Jesus. That's the J.B. Phillips translation. And, uh, and uh, I want to read it to you from the English Standard Version that says um, it, that it will bring it to completion, this work. It will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. So while salvation comes to, to, uh, to us from the, and the penalty of sin uh, happens at that moment that a person accepts Jesus Christ, that sin is wiped away and they become a new creature in Christ. But the process of becoming more like Jesus is exactly what Paul is talking about. When he talks about what is that good work? What is this good work that's going to continue on until the day of Jesus Christ? And what that good work is, is actually a sanctification process that continues on. I was very moved by what Pastor Mike said uh, last week here in, in the chapel service. And, uh, and I, re I remember one time somebody, you know, talking about that very thing of how, how uh, you know, you become a Christian and things are brand new and, and great and things are going along well. And then, of course, there starts to be a little bit of a process where God starts to change you. Uh, he uses many different things. Uh, there are all kinds of pressures that come from us from the, the outside. One thing I can guarantee to you is this, that those pressures that come to us, God uses all of them to push us into his will. That's, the, that's what they're meant there to be there for. And some of them are, uh, some can be good pressure, and some of them can be bad pressure. But they are there to push us in to his perfect will for each one of our lives. Um, I want to read here um, a couple of things, but I want to talk about, uh, basically, I want to talk about uh, a joyful, living a joyful life with the Lord. And uh, two things I want to say to you, two definitions. First, the definition of what joyfulness is. Joyfulness means, in God's word, it means it's lasting emotion that comes from the choice of trust that God will fulfill his promises in our lives. That's, that's why we can have joy. Because the promises that he makes to us, the promise that, that what he did in you when you became a believer and, and as you walk with him and you talk and, and, and you become uh, he promises that he was gonna, he's going to finish that work. He started it, he's going to finish it. And I remember reading this when I was a younger Christian. I always felt like I could go before the Lord and hold him to this promise. God, I didn't know anything about you. I didn't know who you were. I didn't know, you know, I, I, did, I had no idea what a Christian life was about. No idea how a Christian should live. None of that. But one thing that I used to get from this scripture that used to be such a joy was that, you know what? You started it, and I could trust you and believe you to finish it. And that's what you can do uh, in your life, too. And then I want to talk about joyfulness. I also want to talk about the definition of confidence and what it means in the Bible. This is a really great definition. It's a, it's a little wordy, but I really liked it when I read it a few times. Confidence is a multifaceted word that encompasses within Christians, within Christian thought, a range of aspects. 
one relationship with God, a sense of boldness of one's acceptance by God, and a conviction that comes. Destiny is secure in God. God's destiny for each and every one of our lives is secure in Him because not only did He start the thing, but He promises that He's going to finish it. And so it's important for us to, uh, to be, in, be in relationship with Him as He brings us through this different process. It says in Proverbs 17.22, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We are living in one of the most incredible, incredible times ever in our history, and especially for the history of the church. Now, I know you look at the book of Acts, and we read about all the different things, and martyrdom, and the apostles, and all that they faced, and the disciples, and, and the Roman Empire, and how cruel it was, and so on. But we are living in a time that I believe can and will and does even surpass all of that in different parts of the world. And I think that we as Christians, uh, if we are going to survive, and I believe survive what's coming to us as a nation, you're going to need to have confidence, and that confidence comes from the joy of the Lord. We need to have joy. Um, <clears throat> our focus is going to be on here in chapter 1, the 12 through 30, so I do want to read it because it says it so well. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, pro, pro, the former proclaim <clears throat> Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. Living with a joyful confidence. Living with a joyful confidence is a concept that's deeply rooted in Christian faith. It's not about fleeting happiness that is dependent on our circumstances, but rather a deep-seated joy that is rooted in our relationship with Him. This joy gives us the confidence to face whatever comes our way, knowing that we're not alone. That is one of the only ways that you can face some of the things that you're about to face in your life or things that you have already faced or things that you are presently facing right now. We know that we are not alone. Our, anything that comes our way, that our God is bigger than any challenge that we might face. And we must 
continually keep that in mind because if we don't keep it in mind, there are things that come to each and every one of us. We think they're unique to us, and probably they are unique to us. At least that's what we think. And they are there, brought there because we think they're there to take us down. But God is using them to push us closer to himself, to draw us closer to himself. I remember one time talking about the different names for God, and, and uh, I had a very mature Christian when I was much younger, and he said, well, my, one of my names for God is Jehovah Sneaky. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, kind of Jehovah Sneaky. Because what happens is, is as we're going along, you know, he has our very best in mind. He knows what needs to be changed for the challenge that's coming ahead for us. He knows it. He knows what will bring us down, what will sidetrack us. He knows all of that. And so even though we sometimes don't realize it, and I say Jehovah Sneaky because, you know, he just gets in there, man, and, and uh, how, how, you can't help but love him, and, and you worship him, and you, he's just been so good to you in your life. And, and uh, you know, I remember when I was first converted, uh, the next day, man, it was like everything was so wonderful. Everything was so joyful. And what God wants to say to us is that joy, that love for God and the love that God has for us needs to continue on in our daily walk because the things that are coming and things that need to be changed, He knows what they are. He knows your frailties. He knows and understands. You know, you do not have to be only at Elam to go through some of the things that were talked about last week. But it is a place where, by the grace of God and the loving hand of God, that he allows us to be in a community together. But even in this wonderful, beautiful, loving, everybody's cool, nobody ever does or treats anybody wrong community, <laughs> or says anything wrong about anybody, even in that, even in all of this, there are things that God allows to happen, but he allows them to happen so that they might change us to be like him. Joyful confidence is not about denying the reality of our circumstances. There are a lot of Christians that live their life like that, thinking that the joy of the Lord or, 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 or living that Christian life that, that they, they really want um, they actually will begin to deny the reality of our circumstances. Our circumstances are our circumstances. Whether they be financial, whether they be emotional, whether they be relationship-wise, those circumstances are... It, joy does not come from simply denying the reality of them being there. Although there are some that wish that, that that's the way it was. It's not about pretending that everything is fine when it's not. He doesn't want us to pretend. It's about acknowledging our circumstances and the reality of our circumstances, but it's also about choosing to focus on a bigger picture. If you don't focus on that bigger picture, believe me, there, you will want to give up. Because when God allows... Uh, how many of you have a... Uh, understand what a slow cooker is? How many you have slow cookers? You know what I'm amazed about? It, it, it's like I remember I used to cook pasta and I put it on the stove in a big corning thing and so on and so on. And it would take, take quite, quite a while before you could 
get the pasta before it's ready. Well, now you put it, I put it in one of these uh, slow cookers. You put it in there, cover it with water, put a little salt in there, and, uh, and put it on four minutes. And in four minutes, after you let the steam out of that thing, the pressure out of it, you open it up, and the pasta's like perfect. I'm like, four minutes. Unbelievable. What it's about is acknowledging our circumstances, but choosing to focus on the bigger picture. An eternal perspective. If you do away with that eternal perspective, you will, you will begin to be discouraged. Very discouraged. Because we are walking this walk, and we are telling other people to walk this walk because of the reality that we know, and that is that He gives to us through Jesus Christ through the free gift, he gives us eternal salvation. I think about that a lot at my age. Eternity is not that far away for some of us. But you know what? No, none of us are promised tomorrow. You have no idea. I remember being in our church a couple years ago, and a young man that, uh, that he found the Lord, the Lord found him, and, and uh, it was just a, a beautiful conversion experience, a young man off the streets, and, and uh, he came to the church, and they did an actual water baptism right there in the church, and he got baptized in water, and there was some people from his family, a couple of Christians, you know, that had, had shared with him about Jesus over the years, and, and really loved him, you know. And I'll never forget I'll never forget the next week, a pastor standing up there and said, our brother was on his way home, and another car hit him head on, and he's no longer with us. Eternity, an eternal perspective. Don't ever lose that eternal perspective, because when things right now, you know, things are not that rough for us right now. But I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not a prophet, but I'm telling you from this perspective of seeing what's going on, things are not going to get better for the church. I really believe that with all my heart. I wanted so badly to stand up here and talk about Israel this morning, but I felt like I, I just, I, I didn't want to do that. But I'm, I'm praying for Israel every single day. Not only am I praying for them, but I believe that we need to understand that so goes Israel, so goes the church. We worship the same God that they worship. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God of, uh, of, of the, uh, the, the characters of the Old Testament is the same God, Yahweh, Adonai. And even though we know Jesus Christ and we've accepted Him as, our, as the Messiah and as our Savior, and I so badly wanted to talk about that, but felt like maybe it's for another time. But I will tell you this. What's going on is a spiritual thing. And when I say that, I say it because that spiritual thing is the devil, the enemy. It's satanic, and it's very evil. But if you think that it's going to stop after it goes after Israel, you don't understand the Bible at all. It is coming after Christianity. Because we take the same stand that they take for God. I know it's different. 
I do believe that, that right now there's a veil over their eyes and that will someday it's going to be taken away and they'll see Jesus as their Messiah. But make no mistake, we have it pretty easy in this country as believers right now. You know, sometimes it's, it's difficult for me to even like watch, watch the news and, and, and see some of the things that happen, some of the things that happen to other believers um, and what they must be going through. I just can't imagine it. I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. But I'm saying to you what I'm saying about eternal perspective because I believe that we need to have the joy of the Lord. We need to have confidence and we need to get joy because of the eternal perspective that we have. We are going to one day see him crack the eastern sky and come for his church, for his bride. Joy. Did you know joy is a fruit of the Spirit? Comforting, uh, context full of peace, an enduring attitude of the heart and spirit and a natural part of the Christian faith. It's often connected with, but not limited to following Jesus and pursuing a Christian life. Let me just give you a couple meanings of joy I thought were pretty significant. From uh, uh, Compassion.com. What is the true meaning of joy? A feeling? A great pleasure and happiness? The true definition of joy goes beyond the limited explanation presented in the dictionary. A feeling, a great pleasure, a happiness. True joy is a limitless, life-defining, transformative reservoir waiting to be tapped into. It requires utmost surrender, and like love, is a choice that we have to make. We need to choose. We choose joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, comforting, content, and full of peace. It says in the Bible Project, it says, What is God's definition of joy? Biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. This is something that we will have to hold on to in the coming days. The joy of the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, so on. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I believe that in the coming days we will need the joy of the Lord like we've never needed it before. Living with joyful confidence also involves trusting it involves trusting in God's promises. The Bible's filled with promises that God has made to you and I, to his people. Promises of his presence, promises of his love, promises of his provision, promises of his guidance, and so many more. When we choose to trust in all of these promises, we can live with joyful confidence knowing that God is faithful and he will fulfill his promises. That's where the joy of the Lord comes from. Joyful confidence is also about living with a sense of purpose. When we know who we are in Christ and what he's called us to do, we can live with a sense of purpose and a sense of direction. It gives us the confidence to make decisions, to take risks, and to step out in faith 
knowing that we are living in line with God's will for our lives. Living with joyful confidence is not something that happens overnight. It's a journey or a process of growing and maturing in our faith. It involves daily surrender to God, daily time in His Word, knowing who He is, and daily prayer. It involves choosing joy even when our circumstances are challenging. And that is the true test. It's not when things are going well and things are the way we think they should be and everything's good, but in, in, and I'm not saying like this is something new to you. I, you know, don't, I understand. I'm, I'm probably repeating a lot of things that you've read and said and, and you've heard maybe a hundred times. But it involves choosing joy even when our circumstances are extremely challenging. There are circumstances that I went through while I was here at Elam, and when I left here, you know what? They were worse. And the reason why is because you're living in a Christian community where people love one another, care about one another. You know what's going on in one another's lives, and you're, you're willing to help and care and, and encourage and stuff. But when you're out of this place, you're going out into a world that not only hated Jesus Christ, but they will hate you. And if you don't have and learn the joy of the Lord, even in some of the circumstances that are going on here, you, it'll be tough to learn it out there. Because they don't care out there. And by them, I mean the world. It does not care. It involves choosing to trust in God's promises even when we can't see how in the world they are going to be fulfilled. It involves choosing to live with purpose even when the path ahead is very unclear. I see so many young people, not just you, but even young people in our church and so on, they are so unclear of what's going on. They are so disturbed by what they're seeing. And I see masses and masses and masses of young people on TV that are so deceived, so filled with deception. And, and the ignorance of so many different facts and things that are going on. It's very, it's very, very alarming. And, and now it's to the place where, where they're talking about things that have to do with violence like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. So I know maybe this doesn't sound that all encouraging to you this morning, but I want it to be. I want you to know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord isn't our strength just to be in a, a good, dancing, clapping, happy time together worshiping. The joy of the Lord is something that we carry, need to carry with us through all of the different challenges that are coming our way. That joy, the joy of knowing that His promises are true, that His promises are yea and amen, that His promises are true to every single one of us that he will bring about in each and every one of our lives because he that hath begun that work in you, he who has begun a good work in us, will complete it until the very end. Amen? Thank you, Lord.